Welcome to the Casual Planeswalker Podcast, the show made by casual players for casual players. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Casual Planeswalker Podcast. We've missed you. Um, and I know you've missed us. We've taken a little break. Uh, we had some stuff to get sorted out. We actually recorded a pretty awesome podcast, but something went wrong and that one got trashed. So this is our this is our new attempt at uh, welcoming everyone back to our wonderful world. And we have the crew that you're used to, uh, Brad. That's me. We got Josh, who just chuckled. That's me. That's him. Uh, we got Nick. Hello. That's him. Oh, he sounded all, like, professional. Yeah, that was not like Nick. Um, and then we actually have a special treat for you. We have DJ, the new addition to our podcasting crew. Uh, DJ's was, uh, I, I believe... DJ, who who do you think sired you as far as magic goes, using the vampire analogy? <laughs> that sounds uh, almost dirty. <laughs> That's what we said last time. Yeah, I guess it would be you guys with the game club, yeah. which I joined. <laughs> That's right. So that sounds like a group siring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's. Uh... <laughs> oh, I didn't actually. <laughs> So anyways, uh, we, brought, we brought DJ into the wonderful world of magic, and now he's pretty much better than all of us, so we're definitely uh, glad to have you aboard, DJ. Thank you. And yeah, uh, we've, we've had a few uh, life changes since we last spoke to you. Uh, I think I mentioned um, in the previous podcast that doesn't exist anymore that Nick got married. It's pretty awesome. Yes. His wife is delightful, and his cat is also all right. <laughs> That's uh, one way to put it. His cat. <laughs> Willow's Willow's a pretty cool cool cat, I He's suppose. Pretty awesome. Um, that well, I guess that's, me that's pretty much it. He, about the cat. Yeah, don't start talking about your cat, man. <laughs> It'll just be like three hours long. Nobody wants to listen to that. Uh, actually. Just from hearing that, I could hear our reviews going up. <laughs> it just went up immediately from the reference of cat story. This episode gets three paws up. Nah. Uh, uh, all right, everybody, go ahead okay. and take the little progress bar and jump it about two inches to the right. You'll be fine. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, progress, let's let's make some. How about that? No. Let's start uh, talking about magic. Absolutely. What we all not. came here for. Don't even start. Nick seems opposed for some reason. He's probably still playing WoW. I am not. <laughs> Even I told him to tie his griffin to a post, otherwise known as... Can't do that. Roosting, is it? Yes. All right. Well, in EverQuest... You want to know what I named my griffin? <laughs> um, sure. Is it appropriate? <laughs> no, it's actually a lie, but I was going to say, Gryffindor! Uh, uh, in there. You're all welcome. All right. <laughs> hey, you crazy nerds. 
Let's start off with uh, some big, exciting news. Um, Mirrored and Besiege just got released. And DJ, I know you've been uh, keeping tabs on the development of that set uh, since before it came out. And you actually wrote a pretty awesome article that's up on our site at casualplaneswalker.com about uh, some reasons to be excited about Mirrored and Besieged. So why should we be excited about Mirrored and Besieged? Uh, well, as it is Mirrored in, the big thing is artifacts once again. And they're my favorite. So I've set out three of probably the coolest artifacts that I've seen in the set that are Knowledge Pool, which totally wrecks whatever deck somebody else is playing. If you guys have seen that. What does Knowledge Pool do for the people listening? Uh, when you put it into play, uh, it imprints the top three cards in each player's graveyard uh, library. And then they all go into the pool, and whenever anybody casts a spell, that spell is instead thrown into the pool, and you don't get to use it. You'd have to pick something else from the pool. So it just screws up any strategies that somebody once had. Wow, that just turns the game into that cost? crazy. That? Uh, it six. Costs six. Okay, that's at least well, kind of. <laughs> that reminds me of that uh, that one blue card that came out a while back. It was the no, it was the blue one. You you uh, anytime you cast a spell, it was an enchantment. Anytime you cast oh. a spell, you counter it, and then you cast every single spell that was countered in that way. Oh, oh I have the storm deck. I have the storm. This reminds me of that. Did in. It's like, oh, hey, guys, look, you know how you like to play Magic? Well, let's just pretend that we're playing and instead just shuffle our decks and throw cards at random. Chaos Magic! <laughs> it's like 52-card pick-up Magic. <laughs> it is kind of like Chaos Magic, I guess, except, except it's everyone's. You're the only one igno- uh, uh, you know, accepting the fact that you're playing Chaos Magic. Nobody else wants to play Chaos Magic. So, in a deck that utilizes Knowledge Pool, do you have to, like, not have anything good in it? Do you just have, like, four copies of Knowledge Pool and some mana ramping, and you just don't <laughs> play something? Well, you, you sit cast, there with the... Do you have to cast the spells, or do you they... Have, like, cast yeah, you, spell. you have to cast them. Okay, you have to... so it's not like... Yeah, you cast the spell, then it's exiled, and then you cast another spell from the pool. So you I actually to, built. You have to be able to pay for the mana, though. Oh, here no, comes he, the good part, guys. DJ oh. just started a sentence with "I actually built." Yes. Oh, talking about I, knowledge now. I built the knowledge pool deck. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's why I don't play Magic anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided against it just now because I heard the term "knowledge pool deck." <laughs> okay, <laughs> you have to explain this. Yeah, so I filled it with knowledge pools, of course, and uh, one of the coolest things I added to it was, I think, Sphinx Bone Wand, which is the seven-cost artifact that whenever you play an instant or sorcery, uh, you put a charge counter on it, and then it deals damage to target creature or player equal to the charge counters on it. So what happens is, you fill it with a bunch of instants or sorceries, and if you have Knowledge Pool and Sphinx Bone Wand out, you cast an instant for cheap, then that goes in the pool, and you put a counter on the Sphinx Bone Wand, dealing one damage. Then you pick out another instant, and you cast that for free, putting another counter on the Sphinx Bone Wand. Then you can just next turn play all your cheap instants and do, like, mm. 10, so just quick, turn. well, relatively quick damage. Yeah. Once you it's, get it going. That's kind of cool. How does it mm-hmm. work? I mean, like, how does it play? Does it play pretty well, or...? 
Yeah, if you can get the knowledge pool out, I think it plays pretty well. Because I put Very in cool. X-cost things that are pretty useless for people that want to cast them from the knowledge pool, since X will equal zero. Mm-hmm. And if you oh, needed yeah. to, you could just play it for free, right? You know, or one. Yep. You get a free spell out, or a really cheap spell out. Yeah, like I put hmm. Chimeric Mass, which is the X artifact. So I just pay zero right after I play Knowledge Pool on turn six. I can get first picks. That is hmm. amazing. <laughs> that sounds unpleasant. <laughs> For your opponents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... I have their interests in mind. Considering so I would you throw, the... like, ornithopters in there, or what? Uh, I didn't put any in there, because they're not very fast. Yeah. But I put in uh, counters, just in case somebody else plays something. You can actually respond to their spells and counter it before they can choose something else in the knowledge pool. Oh. Okay, so I'm not... Oh. Yeah. So it... It's when they cast a spell, not when they go to play it. Yeah, so you can respond to the knowledge pool's uh, trigger to counter their spell. So then the spell is not there for them to exile. Okay. So they can't use the knowledge pool's next ability to pick another. I'm assuming you've taken a look at the at the um, what you call it the rules on this. Yeah, I read up on all that. Beautiful. It's very confusing. It's like one of those things that you'd have to be very careful about. Uh-huh. <laughs> you get I'm sure. It's one of those things you make a lot of friends when you roll it out to, like, Friday Night Magic, you know, and people are just like, ah. Uh. <laughs> so we were playing Five Star, right? <laughs> everyone get, get you, DJ. It's actually really funny when you bring uh, a card that nobody expects into a into a serious group or something, you know, like you bring this like, totally casual card and they're just like, what? Why are you using that? And then it ends up winning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Surprise there attack. thrown and all sorts of horrible names called and other things. All right, so... so, so the other cards? Yeah, but on the other end of the spectrum, if you just want a big creature that can kill things, there's the Blightsteel Colossus. Ah, yes. Which we've talked about last week. <laughs> which, which nobody will no ever hear. Hurt, so. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a little intro to Blightsteel. This guy's pretty BA. Yeah, well, for 12 mana, you can get an 11-11 indestructible trampler, just like Darksteel Colossus. But with Phyrexia on the plane now, he's given. they have given the Darksteel Colossus Infect, so you've got an 11-11 indestructible as Trample. if it wasn't terrible enough to have that Dark now process. kill you in one turn. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Instantly death, because that is a fun thing. Yeah, well, that, not to mention the fact that if he would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, uh, put him into your library instead. So, you know. Well, I always thought that was more for your opponents than yourself. Oh, I guess no, that's... I always saw it as that way you can't reanimate it. Yeah, yeah. you can reanimate him. Sorry, I didn't think about that. So that that's actually a good <laughs> thing for your opponents. Dear God. <laughs> well, I guess that's a positive thing. Yes. Like, oh, hey, oh, it keeps you from being milled. That's stupid. No, no, it's so that you can't be like, uh, turn one, uh, Dark Ritual, and Tomb Exhum. 
Yay! It's just a fun thing to say, isn't it? It is. It's a beautiful <laughs> sequence of words. Anytime someone plays Dark Red on first turn, I always follow up with Entomb Exhum. <laughs> Chroma! Um, he also has a double-edged spiked hammer for one hand. So, I mean... <laughs> In case you want to have the most friends ever, buy as many... Dark Blightsteel Colossus as you can yeah, to make the most friends in the world. Well, you really do. He, I mean, he's got Trample, but, I mean, technically, if you could, if you were going to kill them next turn, I mean, honestly, the I kind of like the Infect idea, because here's why. Say you have a way to kill them next turn. You could just block two of the damage. You don't take any damage. You could be at one. It doesn't matter, because it's Infect. And kill them next turn. Although I guess if someone's using Infect, they're probably not dealing much damage, but still. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I guess in an Infect deck, 11. It just stops people from being like, look, I gain infinite life forever. And then they're like, yeah, well, you infected and you did. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a lot of life gain going on in Mirrodin, though? Well, I guess I'm just thinking about some of the decks that I have in my casual repertoire that are like, and I'll gain 19 life this turn, or 18, I don't know. It's a multiple of three. So it's, it's a pretty common way for sort of like bypass the rules of the game and just like give yourself such a huge cushion of life that you don't have to worry about their strategy. Yeah. Generally. It's like, well, la-dee-da, you've got some creatures, but I've got a billion jillion life. And then people punch you in the face. Okay, so on su- on the subject of artifacts, there's other cool stuff with equipment. Phyrexians now have living weapons. That, Sounds terrifying. Yes. A living weapon gives you a zero zero black germ creature whenever you play these artifacts. And then they're equipped with the equipment so that they don't die. <laughs> but... Uh, these are pretty neat because you don't State have... State-based ju- effects and everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. But they're pretty neat because now with these you don't have to choose between having a cool artifact out that'll boost your creatures or getting a creature that'll help you block and save your life. Wow. Right, so you can get both at the same time and then just worry about, oh no, when is this guy going to die? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to worry about that at all. That's pretty awesome, actually. Quite, yes. I mean, it, for four, I mean, there's a good chance, as long as you're not, you're probably not playing it right at the beginning. If you're playing black, you probably do some creatures in the graveyard anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a good chance you're at least going to have, like, a 3-3. Three, three. And worst case scenario, you've got a 3-3 three, three this turn, pay two next turn, and attach it to something else. Exactly. That's beautiful. Pretty neat. Just, just disappointed that there are only, like, five... Living weapons. Seems really dangerous to put a lot of them in, though. I mean, that yeah. could really be... Yeah, if they were really good, they ended up being really good, then that could be kind of a... Crap, what did we do? <laughs> like, oh, no, big deal. It's just a living weapon. Oh, wait. Everyone's running them, and now they've completely thrown up the market. <laughs> I mean, right. they have... I don't know. I guess four seems about reasonable for it. For the Bone Horde. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cheapest one is Flare Husk, which is two, 
it gives you plus one plus one. Which That's still I think not bad. Really neat. Yeah. Mortar pod, I see as well. Yeah, I like mortar pod because uh, if you need those last few poison counters, instead of trying to run through their creatures with yours, you can just fling them over, and they'll deal infect damage with mortar pod. Ah, beautiful. That's hilarious. That's <laughs> it makes me very sad that my life gain deck is no longer even close to viable. <laughs> oh, you have poison? Yeah, you win. <laughs> it's just like, oh. I mean, okay. Mill was its enemy before, but now it's like, now it has another thing I have to worry about. Uh. My burn deck almost had you that one time. I, I did. like 80 damage. You did. In like the first two turns, you're like, all right, 24 on like turn three, and I'm like, if I hadn't gained like a little bit of life just now. Oh, you, and then you just kept going. You just like kept pulling them out. I was like, no, Nick, I had you. You did. It was pretty close. Let us recount the entire scene for our listeners. <laughs> Remember the day I, like yesterday. I could just feel like somebody force punching me in the face. <laughs> no, but in, in your article, though, you also talked about the hero of Bladehold. That thing is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's with the uh, battle cry. Yeah, which the Murans have, and I think it's my favorite ability in the last few sets, really, because it just lets you build a huge army. Oh, yeah, it's cool. I mean, you just does, mm-hmm. does it stack? Yes, it does. It does stack? So say you have like that hero of blade hold in the signal pass, you'll be attacking with three one soldiers, and she'll throw two one. Two one ones out on top of herself. Yeah, that is awesome. Then you can give those soldiers battle cry bonus also, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> yeah, that is an amazing ability. <laughs> and then there's Hero of Oxid Ridge, which I think is also really cool. He's a four two with haste and battle cry for four. Whenever he attacks, then your opponent can't block with creatures that have power one or less. Okay. So they can't hide behind a bunch of walls. Yeah. Nice. But I'm also really excited about uh, how the Phyrexians have expanded into different colors. Like the first card I saw from the new set was Priests of Norn. That was really cool. And they're a white creature with Infect, which Scars of Mirrodin doesn't have at all. So there's a few white creatures with Infect. And then Proliferate is also expanding it in different colors. Like green, which can be pretty helpful with plus one, plus one counters. And the minus one, minus one counters that green has with Infect as well. Actually, I saw a creature that I think looks pretty pretty cool. He kind of reminds me of... The Joker from the Dark Knight a little bit, but it, uh, it's Massacre Worm. Have you seen that, DJ? Oh, yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I always gravitate towards these just, like, evil, horrifying creatures that they usually put in black, but um, he's a 6-5 for three colorless and three black. When he enters the battlefield, creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two until end of turn. I love any sort of, you know, mass destruction of creatures. And whenever a creature an opponent controls is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, that player loses two life. That's disgusting. Oh. <laughs> it's so awesome. No. Could you imagine, like, 
with sneak attack or something, like Massacre Worm comes out, kills all your tokens or soldiers or whatever the crap you have. All of your face. You take like 20 damage from it. It'd be so funny. No, that's not funny at all. (laughs) (laughs) So... I think it's also a really cool combination with Sangromancer, if you've seen that. No. You have so, to refresh me on Sangromancer. Yeah, it's a 3-3 three, three flying for 2 and 2 black. Whenever a creature an opponent controls and is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you can gain 3 life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. That is going in my vampire deck. <laughs> yep. That is a beautiful card. And whenever an opponent discards a card, you also can gain 3 life. Not to mention, the artwork's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. It is. Kind of looks like she's giving the finger to. Yeah, I, I was just looking. At, I was. I had my face like three inches from the screen. I was like, "What is she doing?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were looking really close, weren't you? Well, yeah, their fingers are very nice. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, we got we've got uh, Phyrexian abilities, you know, leaking into. White and green. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. Not arguing. Yeah. And also, the balance between Mirrodin's, or Mirrodin and Phyrexia is a lot better because they actually held back a lot of Phyrexian cards and scars of Mirrodin. So they only had like 20 or 30% of their cards have the Phyrexian watermark. But in this one, it's more 50-50. So it feels like there's an actual war going on. Oh, nice. So they actually made it something. Yeah, they made it more viable. Yeah, that's cool. That's kind of important. I mean, don't really. It's nice to feel like there's something going on. Yeah. That you're, to borrow the the words from uh, a great writer for the Casual Planeswalker, you get to fight for the fate of the Plane of Mirrodin. Yes. <laughs> that's pretty that... nice alliteration there. I like that. <laughs> Sounds epic. <laughs> that was my favorite part. Is uh, they do a, they did a lot of things to really get the feeling of a war and how you can help fight in that war. Like if you go to Friday Night Magic or anything, you can make a themed deck towards Mirrodin or Phyrexia, and they'll actually put your name on a little war chart. And whenever you win against the other side, they'll put a mark down, and you can see how the war is going at your local store. Hmm. Well, That's awesome. Speaking of stores, one thing I thought was kind of cool, I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but there's actually, like, faction packs now they did. Faction packs. Yeah. Like, the Mir- you can get the Mirrodin Besieged Mirin faction pack or the Phyrexian faction pack, and it's just a booster pack, but it's just the Mirin faction or just the Phyrexian faction. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. I mean, I, it, I thought that was only for the pre-release. Are they actually selling them now? Yeah, they're actually selling them. They're a little bit. They're like four bucks each. They're a lot more expensive than just a regular booster pack. But oh, because yeah. then there's more specific cards towards one side or the other. It gives you a better chance of getting what you're looking for. Yeah, you can see it and be like, oh, I want this card really much. Really much. <laughs> <laughs> I faded off. Okay, I was trying to make it so that no one would notice. Well, that's not gonna happen. Nick's well, not gonna let that. That go on. Your English is masterful. <laughs> Everyone had to get really quiet right after I said it too. I was like, "Oh, come on, say something quick." Nope. <laughs> I'll just point it right out. 
Hey DJ, have you have you uh, thought of putting Galvanoth in your your pool of knowledge deck? Did you uh, see that card? I did see it, but um, mine's only blue right now. Ah, I see. Yeah, I don't want them having direct damage spells. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although it could be <laughs> a little more chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you were to like play something and then play that and then play something afterward and then use it, you know, kind of go <laughs> make sure you've got a backup. Yeah. That's far too complicated. Read my book. <laughs> there you go. I wrote the book. <laughs> Look at you, you and your fancy pants. No, but these, uh, the faction packs, though, they, those kind of go hand in hand with uh, something DJ was talking about earlier, I think. You think? The game day or the sanctioned play oh yeah yeah what's going on with the game day it sounds pretty awesome yeah so for the last few sets they've had game day which is like a month or so after it's released and they give you just an extra chance to have a standard tournament and you get some neat full art cards just for going and for winning but with scars of mirrodin and mirrodin besieged they're doing they're really playing off the war by having you make affiliated decks, which would have at least 10 cards for with each side's watermark, but you can't have any cards that have the other side's watermark. So if you have Mirrodin, you can you need to have at least 10 Mirrodin cards, and you can't have any Phyrexian cards in the deck. But if you do make an affiliated deck on the tournament, which is March 5th and 6th for Mirrodin Besieged, you can win preview cards from the next set, which they're just calling action. Lights, That's camera, awesome. action. Yes. Yeah, so apparently they've decided who's going to win, but they're not going to tell us so that we can just keep fighting it out anyway. How can you decide who's going to win a war before it's happened? <laughs> Simple. <laughs> I really, I really love this, this, this concept of, you know, Bringing a, a little bit of an extra element to the the game, uh, having sort of an outside mm-hmm. yeah, thing. Like <laughs> I, I'm sort of picturing if they would have done it in uh, in Lorwyn, you know, like you can only like I don't know, you could show up and represent one of the tribes and yeah. keep track of which tribe is is winning. I don't know. It, it's just really cool, and I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go with the uh, fairies myself. I like those guys. But um, I don't know. I just I, I like the direction they're going to mm-hmm. sort of broaden the experience of Magic from strategic card game to you know some people some people might not care about this stuff. They might just want to you know put together their deck and and play. But I think a lot of people will have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess my favorite thing from this game day is. It really caters to the collector in me, because uh, you get a preview card for whichever side you chose if you win, like, uh, first or second place for your side. So if you win as a Mirrodin, you get a pristine talisman, which is a three-cost artifact that lets you tap to add one mana to your mana pool and gain one life. But what they did was they put the Mirrodin uh, Mirrodin Pure expansion symbol on it, so, if Phyrexia ends up winning the war, you'll still have this pristine talisman 
with the Mirin symbol on it. And you'll be like one of very few, few people, people that have it. Yeah. Nice. nice. Actually making forced rarity on something. Uh-huh. Collector items, yeah. That's pretty cool. It's uh-huh. very so cool. So maybe you've it. already predicted who's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I remember seeing from a long time ago when it, it was like first release that said Mirrored and Pure on it. And I gotta root for the good guys, of course. <laughs> oh, of course. Well, we know Brad always roots for the good guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. I see what you did there. Yeah, but if you choose Phyrexian, you could win Suture Priest, which costs one and one white for a cleric. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you can gain one life. But whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, you can have them lose one life. Oh. And that'll, of oh course. Oh, gosh. That's awful. <laughs> they'll, and of course, have the Phyrexian watermark and expansion symbol on it. <laughs> that is nice. That's really cool. I love it. Now, um. The Suture Priest, is that... What color is that guy? It's white. White? Mm-hmm. Really? But of course. Oh, that sounds like an amazing card in an Astral Slide deck. <laughs> not, not to say that I would put it in one. <laughs> anybody who's listening. Or maybe anybody who plays with me. Yeah. Hey, you, you guys probably didn't hear, but uh, Josh and I both sort of revamped a couple of... Well, actually, I didn't revamp anything. I, I, I bought Mannequin, Nick. What? Yeah. You bought <laughs> I just, the one that I used to have? Uh, It's not exactly what not you had. Not the same but one, but a similar... Basically, yeah. I just... Nice. I did something I've never really done, which I I just bought a net deck. I mean, sometimes it's fun to have something that you know is going to work and not be like, oh, I bought all these deck is like... Right, exactly. We've all been through that. Because um, yes. we didn't read the Casual Planeswalkers Guide to Deck Building, but um, you know when we were starting out, <laughs> we didn't know all that stuff. So uh, we've we've all spent plenty of money on cards that were pretty bad. Like what what was that one card? Pattern oh, of Rebirth. Even bring oh, up. I thought you were talking about something. What? I did. I did. I did not spend sixty dollars on that <laughs> deck. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's actually not even that bad. Uh, no, it's just that the deck itself was mostly. Entirely and wholly useless. Well, you remember, um, you remember that one time. Remember our friend, our buddy that built the deck. That it's like, oh yeah, you could totally build this deck for under fifty dollars. And you know, pretty strong mono green deck comes back with it all foiled out. Oh uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, how much did you spend on that? He's like three hundred dollars, and you're like, why in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Foils, look, they're shiny. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. But, and then he like stopped playing. Like, why would you... He's like, oh, I spent my tax return money on it, so it's no big deal. I'm like... Uh. <laughs> yeah, what do you guys think is, like, the worst... I mean... Obviously, the Pattern of Rebirth deck is probably that was Josh's biggest regret. He's going to be my biggest failure. Do you have one that comes to mind, Nick? Um, It's not terrible, but I think Pandemonium might have been one of my... Hasty judgments. Uh, I can't think of I can't think of one offhand where I spent a lot of money and it was bad, bad. I, I can't think of any mistakes I've made in my life. Um, <laughs> I, I remember one time I, I thought I had made a mistake. Turns out I was right. Um, 
but <laughs> I I actually I know I bought a whole deck that I had built myself. I I just kind of picked a whole bunch of cards that I thought were really awesome. I looked at a couple of ideas, but it was mostly just something I wanted to do and it was just this pure black hatred kind of deck and uh the biggest I I went into the card shop and I bought most of the cards there. I was so excited to have it. Um, I probably spent at least 50 or 60 bucks, I guess. And the sort of the cornerstone of the deck was a little card called Braid. I was going to say, is that the Braids deck? (laughs) And if you're not familiar with Braids, um, she's a pretty evil-looking lady, and she she was one of the... Uh, story centers for the Odyssey um, yep. set, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of cards based around the Cabal thing, and she's right. the Cabal minion. Um, and she makes each player sacrifice a creature, land, or artifact each turn. I think so. Sounds I believe so. I, I I loved that card. I thought it'd be awesome. I could find some way to like make it so that I wasn't running out of resources to sack to her, but my opponents were. And so the thing is, first of all, it's it's kind of hard. Like you have to try pretty hard to get that to work. Like I think I had Nantuko husks and some sort of. Um, I thought about having a bunch of things where you sack them, they turn into more tokens that you know they sort of replicate or. I think I had the uh, the Nether Traders. I was say that's when you came in to play with the Nether Traders. Yeah, you I started using those guys. Yeah, I really I, I love those guys, especially with Nantuko Husk. There's this really cool thing where you can, you know, swing with Nantuko Husk and then pay like five or six black mana and end up sacking a couple of Nether Traders a bunch of times. And you know, I, I had Grave Pact, so it would make my opponent sack creatures each time I did. And I just I don't know. It all kind of played off each other, but. But the thing is, like, it's kind of hard to get it working, and if it does work, your opponents hate you. <laughs> I mean, not in a fun way. It's like, dude, you just made me sacrifice three lands. I'm I'm just sitting here, you know, waiting for you to kill me because even if I did draw a card, I don't have any mana to play it now. And so when Braid starts making your opponents sack lands, it starts getting really ugly, and I eventually had to give up on Braids. I had to take her out of the deck. I mean, as, as far as the casual thing goes, I like the card, but yeah, I'd, I'd say that's probably my biggest investment in a deck that just ended up, it's completely different now. The, I still sort of have the deck, but it's nothing like it was. Right. I, you know, as you were saying all that, I was thinking, I think um, I've made so many decks, it's hard to remember, but um, I think clerics i ended up was probably one of the ones where i bought so many clerics for it and then Mm. only so many of them ended up staying in the deck when i was done with it so like i wasted a bunch of money on cards because i was just like oh this one's really cool this one's really cool this one's really cool and i just kept adding stuff until there was just too many cards in there and i was like oh whoops that's far too many cards and so i had to whittle it down and eventually i was like man i just wasted a bunch of money on just adding things that I thought were cool, so I didn't pay attention to my building and just kind of ruined, or didn't ruin it, but made me spend more money than I needed to. 
I think that's easy to do with with something like a tribal deck. You think it's it's so easy. I'll just type cleric into gatherer and right pick out all the best ones I see. Yep. Sort it out later. Um, That's not the best way to do it because then you end up spending a lot of money. Eighty bucks later, and you're going, oh, I didn't need to spend that. (laughs) Not at all. Honestly, I I think that the. the pattern of rebirth could have done just fine without the uh, if I hadn't put the extra planar lenses in there. I think that was the real drawback to that deck, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with that. It was sort of like uh, another friend of ours had a similar deck where he had pattern of rebirth and Elvish Piper. Oh yeah. And he tried to put out really big green creatures and stuff, but it just it didn't have any. I don't know what he was doing wrong. Things just, in it. <laughs> I mean, he had, like, Crosian Colossus, is it? The 13-13? Yeah. yeah. Just things like that. Like, they they look impressive, but they really don't do much because they don't have evasion. And he wasn't doing anything tricksy with them. He wasn't, like, using um, Beast Attack or anything like that. Or not Beast Attack, but what's the one that deals damage when beasts come into play? Oh, I can't think of what that one is. No. Well... Anyways, he wasn't really doing anything tricky with it. He was just kind of like, oh, here's a big creature. And then we'd be like, okay, well, it's dead. Yeah, death to it. And now your Piper's dead. And you spent four mana to get it there. Wait, we're not talking about Josh, are we? No, no. <laughs> no. Anyways, we've all been there. Um, and, wow, how did this start? I don't know. We kind of went way <laughs> off in the middle of nowhere on this one, didn't we? <laughs> Actually, I, I rather enjoy this conversation. It was a great conversation. It's just... What about you, DJ? Uh, yeah, you've been quiet. He's never yeah. on anything. Well, the thing is, I haven't been playing long enough, I guess, to really right. spend that much money. So I've been focusing on booster packs since I don't have any cards. And it's pretty cool getting all new cards with those packs instead of getting tired of the same old thing every time. I guess yeah. the, the one I'm spending the most money on right now is the Knowledge Pool deck. But Well, I guess it, it's not necessarily the money. It's like, uh, I know another pitfall that people fall into, and, and actually I, I used to encourage this. Uh, I thought it would work out really well, is is just is buying two of two copies of the same pre-con, yeah. putting them together. I, I used to tell new players, uh, that's a really great way to start off with a good deck, but... The way that they balance those cards, it's really not that good. I mean, I've actually tried it a couple times, and I was really excited. I'm like, oh, I, I did one for the um, black and white. Um, oh, shoot. The, I think we didn't. Didn't we just play around uh, in Orwin when we were messing around? Second, eventide one? Yeah, we did. Yeah, that. yeah, the Eventide one. I did it with the vampires, too. We were just like, oh, let's see what happens, even though we knew yeah. it wouldn't work. <laughs> well, I thought it would work. And it just it wasn't that good. It didn't get better until I like bought a couple cards for it, and mm-hmm. they they don't give you they usually don't give you like awesome cards in the precons. They give you like okay cards. They're rare, but they're not you know crazy. Except for the the precon where they put Umazawa's Jit. <laughs> that was the one where they're like, let's not do no. <laughs> they must just not have have re- realized how powerful that card would be. Yeah. Apparently, it was supposed to do like something even more ridiculous before then. I think instead of the player losing two life, I think they could give a creature minus one, minus one. So like, they could just like 
oh, I dealt damage to you, now I'm going to ping off your creature, and they could kill, like, armies with, like, one dude. It was kind of insane. So they had, you know, changed it before it was released, so. Hmm. And it was still ridiculous. Backstory on the JIT. (laughs) And Um, that's the JIT. Yeah, yeah booster, booster packs are really fun, but uh, like you said, you, you like collecting, too. So yeah. there's there's another win in there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's a player who just purely wants to make decks, then it's almost kind of a waste of time to buy booster packs, I think. Truth. Well, I, I was basically purely, I'm not much into the collecting side of it myself. And for the longest time, I thought I was getting this great value out of booster packs. And it just, it took me way too long to figure out that I wasn't getting cards that are uh, focused enough to be able to put into a deck that has any real substance to it. You know, I found that I was buying booster packs and then going out and buying the specific cards I needed, <laughs> and thereby spending twice as much. I mean, if you enjoy the collection side of it, absolutely go and, you know, jump in, buy the booster packs. It's all good stuff. You know, it's fun. Yeah. yeah and you no, can do cool things like drafting. And- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, done I that noticed, so <laughs> sorry. I Go have, ahead. I have noticed that I do try to build decks sometimes, but because I haven't gone out and bought all the cards, that it's just they don't work because I don't have the right stuff. Like I've tried making a deck with Quest for Ula's Temple, ah. <laughs> which lets you play a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to build something around that, but I don't really have any of the best creatures, except for one or two of them, to make the deck really fun to play. I think one of my favorite things to do with booster packs now is just simply to get a couple friends together, like three, four guys, and just each buy, like, three booster packs and do a, do a draft. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, you don't need to have a ton of people to do a draft. You know, you can just pass them around. Get a, You know, you still get the rare out of it, or if the rare's complete junk anyway, you don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. But... It still, you can, it, you kind of get a better. I think you can have more fun doing a draft because everybody can kind of lean toward what they like out of it, and you're not stuck with 15 yeah. cards of just random. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I, I like these red cards. Unless all of your friends like playing the red cards, then you make new friends. But uh, it just seems more fun that way for me. The, the booster packs, when we've done that a couple of times, it just made it infinitely better. It, what we've been doing is, is like you said, we'll go in three, three or four of us, and we'll buy a box, and then, then you have a little bit of flexibility, and you just make a night of it, you know, like get some pizza and some pop, which most people would refer to as soda, but I will betray <laughs> my Midwest heritage by calling it pop, um, and just get get together, and you could do. I mean, we've we've had several times where we do like a draft, and then we do like a sealed thing, and do another draft. You know, like depending on how many people you have. First of all, it gets pretty cheap. It's like thirty bucks a piece if there's uh, three of you, three of us. Yeah, so it gets even cheaper if you have more, and you end up you usually end up coming away with first of all just an awesome night, cool cards, but usually have a like kind of decent deck that you can if you want to you can just kind of keep in that pool you know like you can only play these decks against each other and nobody goes out and buys better cards for them or whatever mm-hmm. so that's yeah. a pretty cool thing to do 
Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the popper format or any of those where you're just trying to limit yourself to the kind of cards you can choose. And yeah. it actually opens up a lot more because you have to think of cards that would never be viable in a normal deck. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about someone going out and just buying all the awesome, like, amazing cards, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, if we're all agreeing to stay in this set right here, and we only add cards to it when we all get together and just buy a couple packs, you know? And after you've done the box, maybe you just get together every now and then, buy a couple packs, and then do draft from that, and aug- either play with those or augment your other decks that you'd started. I mean, there's, there's so many opportunities there to just... And like you said, DJ, you don't have to worry about... You know, the guy who goes out and buys a bunch of cool cards, and you're like, well, I, I can't, I, I just simply can't afford to play that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I can't afford to play with four uh, birds of paradise. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing you can think of right now. I, I, there was a word with L in my head that I, I just couldn't, it, it's the green guy. Um, Tarmogoyf? Tarmogoyf. I don't know why there's an L, thank you. There's no L in Tarmogoyf. Lamb. <laughs> you know, there's there's the green guy with the L in it, Tarmogoyf. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, he's a Lurgoyf. Oh, he's a Lurgoyf. <laughs> See, that's why I know exactly what you're talking about, because he is a genius. I only have three. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. See, okay. I can't one. play against Nick. Nick's like, oh, I'm sorry, you're dead before your turn. I'm like, oh, okay. Should I? That has never happened up? unless it was my turn and you died, which is a common that thing. That only happened when I was playing you with those decks that kill you before your turn. <laughs> well, usually they do kill you before your turn, considering it's usually my turn when I attack. Yeah, before my first. <laughs> Just going and pointing that one out. All right, gentlemen. Who's Let's gentleman? uh, let's not be lay the swords down, shall we? <laughs> not fighting. We're just sparring. <laughs> we're not fighting, we're just fine. No, actually, uh, we have a pretty big announcement to to make, and I'm going to let... <laughs> not, not yet. Uh, they haven't invented... How long for that was yet. it? Never mind. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm going to let Josh uh, take, it, take it away and let you guys know, um, any of you listeners out there who happen to be in the center of the country close to Denver, uh, you might want to listen up because you can come hang out with us. Oh yeah, this is going to be fun. Actually, we're going to be down at the Grand Prix, the one hosted by Star City Games, uh, this weekend actually, which is a day that I should probably know, the 18th, 19th, and 20th, and we're going to be down at the Grand Prix as the casual planeswalker. We're going to be down there with uh, some recording stuff. We're going to be hopefully giving away a bunch of fun prizes, maybe do some uh, door... Not door prizes. We're not hosting the event. <clears throat> Do some sort of raffle off stuff. You guys can come in, say hi to us, meet us, and uh, basically just have a good time with us. We're out there. We're probably going to see if uh, I know that uh, Brad and I are going to be the ones who are there. Unfortunately, Nick isn't going to be able to make it out for this event. But well, some you know, two-headed giant in there. That'd be kind of fun. You know, the funds don't really dictate the <laughs> well. The you passage. know, we'll uh, we'll work on that one. You know. Suddenly, some some ecstatic Let's, fan is like, "I've just bought whoever it is a plane ticket to." Yeah. <laughs> if like, anybody you is have fans to that care that much ticket. about this, well, by all means, you know, please feel free. Info at casualplaneswalker.com. Uh, there you go. Send your donations for Nick's Nick's plane ticket. Yeah. Yeah. That was somehow somehow that actually <laughs> happens. I have a, I have doubt of that, but you know, it's, you worth, it's worth wishing for, right? You know. 
got some pretty diehard amazing. fans, Nick. We got some yeah, apparently. <laughs> They're all girls, too. So it's not, <laughs> it's not so you're not allowed to come. <laughs> Fantasy. You, with Andy won't let you. Ah, I'll convince her with sweet words of nothing and promises that I'll, I don't know, play magic forever unless she lets me go. <laughs> no, we are going to be at the uh, Grand Prix, though, and it's going to be a great time. We're looking forward to uh, running into anybody there who wants to see us. We're going to uh, hopefully be uh, emblazoned with our logo so you'll know when you see us. And maybe if you talk to us, we might be able to hook you up with some T-shirts or some fun things like that. So look out for us this weekend at the Denver Grand Prix. It'll be fun. We're also going to be uh, basically covering the event as much as we can, and uh, we're going to have some some podcasts afterwards. Uh, let you know what was going on while we were there. We're going to we're going to be teaming up with Star City Games. You guys probably have heard of them if you know anything about Magic. They're a pretty cool company. So, and I think there's going to be some other sort of press there. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, we'll have some cool, cool information to bring back to you. But I think that that about wraps it up for us this week. Um, thanks for thanks for listening. And if you're anywhere near Denver, stop by. And uh, if not, then you know, enjoy hearing about the Grand Prix from in our awesome words, because we're awesome. You guys want to say goodbye? Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, no. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Catch you later. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to look us up at www.casualplaneswalker.com or search for The Casual Planeswalker on Facebook to keep in touch and stay up to date with all the latest news we're bringing to you. Thanks for waking my cowling. <laughs>